friends, Vina here. So, where to start? Okay. I got stuck with the Book of Chronicles, in particular the second book, and I wanted to write something about it too. However, I realized I have just kept on dragging on and on and was not making any progress. My last episode was in August, and yeah, it has been a long while. Um, well, it is really hard because the Chronicles has almost the same content with Kings, and I don't want to be redundant. I don't want to keep on pushing for the same message, and I think you guys, ye, have already gotten the message, so no use, you know. So, I prayed about it, and God directed me to continue on Ezra. And, although skipping one book is, you know, sad, because I don't want to skip a book. It's actually, you know, my vision to write something about every book. But, at the same time... I'm so happy because I just reached approximately one-third of the Bible. And that is a really great achievement for me. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, that I was able to reach one-third. <sighs> I never thought I would reach that. Because reading the Old Testament is just so confusing you have all these names places um traditions you need to read it with a bit of knowledge of jewish culture jewish history and coming from the philippines you know i don't even know that much about them and you really have to understand and make some research about those things. And I just praise God that He has given me guidance and patience and wisdom. And although this is, I think, a small thing for some people, especially those who have read the Bible from front to cover you know and they've read the bible maybe 20 times or more but for me this is really a personal milestone and yeah a call for celebration for me thank you this is a great you know great message from god a message of encouragement he's saying just continue on you know, and I just really thank him. Okay, so let's move on. I was pleasantly surprised that Ezra is a very short book, and I decided for that for this article that I would just combine Ezra with the next book, Nehemiah. Biblical scholars say that they are really just one book, and if you read. Ezra and Nehemiah, you can really see the continuity of the story. So, 
to make you know to present a better picture a whole picture i think it is just it is just good and acceptable to make to make a reflection or an article with those two books hand in hand so Ezra and Nehemiah revolves around three main characters Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. They appeared in different timelines and different kings, but with the directive of the kings from their period, these three men led the exiled Jews as they made the promised land their home once again. So, a bit of recap, you know, because of Israel's unfaithfulness and wickedness and corruption. God allowed them to be exiled. They were taken from their promised land, from their home. And so these three men, because, you know, God worked on the hearts of those kings um, to allow them to go back. These three men, they all wanted things just the way they were before so they wanted to to bring back yesterday they dreamt of returning the golden days of king david and king solomon as they rebuilt the temple and rebuilt the temple and the city after living under pagan rule and er, and around unclean or unholy people because you know they're not followers of yahweh those people around them who conquered them or wherever they went, you know, the Jews, I mean, the three leaders wanted to be pure and holy. They wanted the Jews to be pure and holy. They wanted to be the holy people once again. They didn't want intermarriages as their foreign spouses might turn away their hearts from God. They denounced working during sabbath and they upheld the importance of charity such as helping the poor and giving what is due to god such as you know paying for the priest priestess needs or the temple workers for their needs they wanted the jews to follow the law strictly but sadly they just couldn't they could not bring back the glory days or be as faithful to God like Moses or King David. They couldn't do it on their own. One man team does not work. One man or few people can be passionate and committed to God. And, you know, they're all flamed with a, with a purpose to really become the holy chosen people once again. However... They could only account for themselves. Each must guard their own hearts and discipline one, one's mind and body. You know. And this put a lot of stress and pressure on these three leaders. They couldn't be the same holy chosen people before without the complete devotion from each one and if they did not exclude other people 
deemed impure or, or unholy. Which is why the leaders, aka the three men, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, had to prohibit others from joining their efforts. They also had to remove people from their communities because they have to be holy and clean and pure. And how could they do that if unbelievers or compromised um, compromised people join them? How could they be a clean people? You know, the clean, holy people. They dreamt to be. You know, did these three men fail as leaders? Short answer, yes. I believe they did. But I think they tried their best. They led with the best way they could think of. And that is going back to what their forefathers did. Which is proclaiming the supreme authority of the Torah. I couldn't blame them. The people they led were exiles and had been accustomed to foreign practices or cultural norms. Probably most of them had no personal experience of how things were used to be and they just heard tales of what it was like before. They failed as leaders, but the people also failed them. The Jews didn't want to be led at all. They said they were committed, but they didn't push through with the agreement or what was planned. They were flaming with passion at the start, but later on, that dedication dies out. In Filipino, we call this Ningas Kukun. Like, oh, they're so dedicated at first. But after a while, you know, it stops. There's no consistency or endurance, no longevity of that dedication. Unreliable and deceitful as the Jews were, I could understand their situation. If they really push through with cutting off intermarriages, divorcing their foreign pagan spouses, that would result to family separation and possibly children growing up with no mom, moms or dads around. With all those years living subjected to foreign rule in a foreign land, they were so eager to start all over again in their own home. I could imagine, you know. Now they're back in Judah, in Jerusalem. They are no longer wanderers or unwelcome expats. They will no longer fear eviction or discrimination because they are not, you know, they are not, um, they are not surrounded by people, by their conquerors. And I could really see them, you know, working double time even on Sabbath, to make up for all the loss they had endured during the exile. They want to make up. They want to make up for for everything that they have lost. So they could not, so they just want to focus on rebuilding on their lives. They, for, they 
forget Sabbath and they forget giving to the poor and to the temple and to God's needs because of these human circumstances. As a human, I understand that. You know, cutting off intermarriages, even if they are the healthy ones, you know, it's really sad. Just because the other person is a, is a pagan. It's a pagan spouse. But does their circumstances excuse them from not following the law? No. That's the shortest answer. No. Yeah, and I'll explain it later. Yet, although, you know, I am not God, I think he thought these things through. He knows that these are very tricky, difficult situations that the Jews place themselves in. That's why, you know, they have no excuse because they put them, themselves in that situation. They were reaping the consequences of rejecting God. You know, that's why they were exposed to, you know, um, intermarriages and they were taken away from their home because... They were un they were unfaithful. They were wicked and corrupt. So they were just sweeping the consequences of rejecting God, and they put themselves in those circumstances. So it's not really, you know, not really good excuse for them. But God knows that humans fail miserably in following the law, even if you are the holy chosen people distinct from all other nations where you had witnessed wonders, you can still be unfaithful because we could not stick through. As many other biblical scholars assert, we have a cold stone heart. And God could just have left it that way and allowed us to suffer the consequences of our actions, which is death. No, that means separation from him, that we do not know who he is. However, our God is super duper good. He intervened and he was proactive. He shows us compassion and mercy by sending Jesus to save us and to offer us his unconditional love. He loves us even if we are sinners. Even if we are unfaithful, proven many, many times in the Bible. You know, He is faithful. And through Jesus, we will be able to repent and realize the truth of His love, of this unconditional love. And a, a, a God who is innocent and holy and powerful died for humans. Praise God that He is not like us. He forgives and remembers our sins no more so that we can in, be in a new, lasting, loving relationship with Him. And that is life to the fullest. Okay? Remember that Jesus came so that we may have life and live it to the fullest. That is the fullest of life if we know God intimately. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He reconciles us to the Father despite our wickedness or unfaithfulness. 
on our own, we cannot be reconciled to, her, to God. No matter how much we try, like Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah tried, we are drowning in sin, and we are living around compounding, devastating effects of sin. Although we might have a pure and innocent heart, we cannot just live in an island alone. You know, we live with other people. And the sins of other people, you know, they they also affect us. You know, sin has a... Sin has not only effects on the individual, it has effects on the family and society in large. And it's just so hard to live a faithful life, a pure and blemish that you cannot, you know, sin just even one little one. There's no, there's no human like that because we have been dr- drowning in sin. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it without God's mercy. Jesus is the only one we can be in the Father despite our circumstances, our past, and all other things we could could think of. Jesus paid for all of it through his precious blood. Yeah, I know. The good news of the gospel always makes me teary right all the time, all the time. Because isn't this good news? We are dead and we have no way of escaping from death. But the all-powerful of God, the maker of the universe, the creator, and the one who controls everything, is the one up there, high, 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 high in heavens and everywhere. He's omnipotent, omniscient. He looked upon us and have compassion on us and have mercy on us, even if we are unfaithful. You know, God really deserves all the glory and praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I'm getting sniffy nose again. You know, the good news of the gospel always makes me fuzzy inside. And I hope it does too. You know, like in a world there where there is no hope for us humans to be back in a relationship with God. God offers us, you know, sonship or being daughtership daughtership like we are sons and children sons and daughters of god from being slaves to sin to being sons and daughters what a remarkable difference right only god can do that god is victorious god is good god is good all the time so yeah that's it yep 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 i know i i've spoken so long this is like 19 minutes but you know i have to make up for the two months that i have been silent yeah and so far in my life you know folks 
God has been faithful. God has been faithful all the time. God has been good. Really good. Thank you. And I want to thank Him for loving us. Loving each one of us in a personal way. You know, He loves each one of us even if we do not deserve it. That really makes me super, super teary eyed. Makes you more, makes you really, really fuzzy, and it gives you purpose in your life. You know, when I was in college, okay, this is my last story. When I was in college, you know, I realized being human is very sad because what else? You you live, you work, and then you die. What's the purpose of it all? what's the thing you gotta what's the what's the the meaning you know you work and then you'll die you're not gonna you're probably not gonna reap the benefits of your work other people may enjoy it and not you you work for posterity for wealth but you know when you die you won't really enjoy them more but the purpose is not that the purpose of our life is not that we need to go back to the creator to know why we're here and it just makes life more meaningful you know because if it's just like if it's just like that you live you work you you enjoy and everything will all go will all vanish will all vanish if nothing is eternal if everything is just temporal you know it is better to have just been born still birth still birth yeah, like born dead alive or you know it makes suicide very very appealing because at least you're not gonna be you're not gonna you're not gonna face the anxiety and the sufferings of being human but once you know that we are loved and that God has a purpose for us in our lives, it changes all your perspective. It changes everything. It changes everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it changed, it changed mine from being, you know, that uh, philosophical. Well, I'm not really a philosopher back in college, but you know, the hippie kind probably that you know think that mm, you know what's the purpose of this all better just to be dead than to suffer human suffering <laughs> yeah because being a human is indeed sad but if you know you are loved and you've been forgiven and God the almighty one the creator give you grace you know that there is worth something in your life. Your life is precious. Every life is precious. Even those unborn. So yeah, that's all. Anyway, I'm a little bit hungry. So I don't know if you're hearing all my tummy. But I hope it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't um, 
distracts you from the real message. And that's all. Thank you, friends, for listening. I may not know who you are, but I pray that, you know, God will bless you and guide you and be with you. And remember, you are loved. You are deeply and wonderfully and passionately, intimately loved. Okay? Just remember that good news. And all you have to do is to repent and to accept Jesus as your, as your, as God and Savior. And accepting Jesus means, you know, you got to be like Christ-like. You know, you can't fool God. No one can fool God. You can say you're a believer of Jesus, but if your heart is not changed... You're really not a believer. That's all. But only God can transform hearts. So ask God, ask God to always come to you and to be with you. That's all. Okay. I'm just saying all the time that's all, but I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't wanna close this, you know, turn this off. Yeah. I've missed spe- speaking and recording. And I don't know, I'm just overwhelmed now by God's goodness. God has been faithful. Praise God, He is God. Praise God, He is a compassionate, merciful God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, bye-bye, friends. And yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's all. (laughs) 